Last time we did this, we sat down and we talked about Avengers for two hours. Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> things got away from us after watching that movie. I don't even like the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't believe I dragged you to that movie and then we ended up talking about it for two hours afterwards. That movie ruined me, man. It totally ruined me. Yeah, it was absolutely devastating. But today, and this is how you can date the podcast recording, how it should have ended released it, like how the Avengers Infinity War should have ended. Uh-huh. I haven't seen that. Oh, really? I don't think I've watched how it should have ended in probably two or three years. Wow. Didn't know they still... Are they still around? Yeah. I can't yeah. believe they're still around. They've got like 8 million subscribers now. They've I got can't believe the, they're still around. That's amazing. Yeah, they've got so many, like, you know, all of the big blockbusters they do are how it should have ended and now they basically give out like four or five different ways the movie could have ended and they just riff on like i remember them doing that yeah yeah so they just riff on all of the stupid things that the movie does but now they're getting to like this this bizarre point that they have like a backstory to how it should have ended itself so like you know at the end of all the movies how like batman and superman would be sitting around in that cute little cafe yeah in the cafe yeah yeah there's now like a a multi like video arc about like the cafe and all of this stuff (laughs) that's so meta (laughs) yeah it's a story within a story Which will fight with growing confidence. I'm Colton Hester, looking forward to your company. 21st century. The wireless podcast. Okay, so uh, I think since the last episode, we, we sort of rambled a little bit. We really did. We had all these really cool topics planned to talk about, and we just got to none of them because we really got carried away. So, I think the best thing to do is to start off with the topics we missed on the last episode. Spoiler alert, people. Spoiler alert. Yeah, there's going to be some more spoilers in this. Or will there? Because, I mean, that's that's a that's an interesting concept that we noticed. I mean, with the Avengers, did you really see many spoilers online in the days after things happened? That's kind of a tough one. I think people protected the spoilers on this one. I think it's kind of Game of Thrones-esque where people just know that keeping Game of Thrones secrets is like paramount and the community as a whole keeps the secrets. I didn't see any, did you? Not really. I saw this hashtag called Thanos Demands Your Silence. Thanos does demand your silence. (laughs) Yeah. I think Marvel was really spearheading this with its social media, but it caught on a little bit where people that were avid Marvel fans were like, I don't want to spoil this for people who haven't seen it yet because obviously there's a a huge twist at the end that you don't really want spoiled. But probably about two weeks after the movie came out, there were a lot of memes from this this movie. We live in the inescapable age of the meme. It's just, it's too ingrained. Like, pop culture has been condensed down into memes. It it really is. Like, even This Is America is is memeable. Yeah, this is yeah. That's something else we should talk about at one point. Have you seen what's the meme where where it's like Arthur? Have you seen the cartoon Arthur? It's a kids show. Yeah, yeah. Where he clenches his fist. Yeah, it's literally just a photo of his 
of his clenched fist with a gauntlet around it. He sees his sister annoying him, and he's like, and he just clenches his fist <laughs> with the gauntlet. Or and you you can apply it to anything. Like they had this one where they had like a group of alt right supporters chanting like racist slurs and whatever and like one guy was watching the tv and he was just clenching his fist with the gauntlet <laughs> it's it's so memeable and it's so applicable to almost everything it's 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 fabulous yeah i really enjoyed and it probably sounds like i'm a horrible person for enjoying it but i enjoyed the meme where there were people that were like fading away like the end of avengers yeah have you seen the ones where people are just sort of in everyday life and then they just somebody's like made them fade away yeah people are just like walking around and me like oh starting to fade away and turn to dust oh it was so good brilliant yeah and i mean that didn't really spoil the movie per se i mean like you can sort of guess as to what that meme means but it didn't say oh no half of the universe gets killed at the end right. of Avengers. And of course, the other spoiler being that half the universe, yeah, big deal, but which one of our characters survive? All, all that kind of stuff. That's that's the interesting stuff and that's the real stuff that people you you really shouldn't spoil for other people. No, and even though there wasn't much spoilers for this movie, I was still really really mindful that there would be some spoilers. That's why I dragged you to the opening night of the movie because I thought if there is going to be spoilers, it's it's going to ruin some big twist because there's going to be people dying in this movie and there was. But I didn't think about that even until we got there and you were saying, so who's going to die? And I was like, wait, people are going to die? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just think of spoilers so much because I've had so many things spoiled for me. And like when it, when it comes to spoilers, it in a lot of cases, it means that say, for example... You know, The Sixth Sense has a big twist at the end. And we all know this now. It's been out for nearly 20 years. But if The Sixth Sense had just come out in cinemas and, you know, it was a week out of, of release and someone came up to me and said, oh, this is, this is what happens at the end. Here's the twist ending. I would basically say to myself, yep, I have no desire to watch this movie anymore because the twist is ruined. The movie has been spoiled. So, to me, spoilers, like, they can really ruin something. And I knew that Avengers was going to be a big, big movie. And if there were going to be spoilers, I would have watched it anyway because it was, like, a really big... It's a pop culture phenomenon. Yeah, so... Not just a movie. Yeah, but at the same time, it, it would have killed so much of the suspense, so much of the, the initial viewing experience. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, I remember watching The Usual Suspects. Have you seen this? No. Okay, I, I won't. I won't spoil it for you then, because you might not want to watch it again. But <laughs> basically, there, there, there's a huge twist in the movie. Is the movie called All the Usual Suspects? No, it's just The Usual Suspects. Okay. It was out in the mid '90s, and I listened to a podcast that discussed like all about the movie. So it was well and truly spoiled for me by the time I watched it. But that was fine. I knew what I was going into. But I watched it with like a group of friends. And none of them had seen it. None of them had heard of this movie. So they were going into it without any idea of what was going to happen. And seeing their reactions to the twist ending was like, ah, this is what could have been. Yeah. This is what I missed out on. Yeah. I can imagine that as well. Like, 
that feeling of jealousy in somebody who is unspoiled. I think the category sort of applies to movies that you wouldn't necessarily think are able to be spoiled. One of the ones you mentioned was twist endings. See, it's not just about twist ending. It's sometimes that a movie's plot can be very integral to a first viewing. And I find that with Christopher Nolan movies. There's no real way to spoil a Christopher Nolan movie. But if you talk about the plot, you'll just, you'll confuse somebody more than anything. You know, you you sort of sit there and you're like, oh, well, this happens and this happens and this happens and it's crazy. It'll make you think things. And you're going to be like, oh, great. I guess I'll go watch that then. You know, it, it doesn't really subtract anything from the movie. Yeah. How do you explain Inception to someone who's never even heard of it? Right. I think there is a limitation on that though, because obviously you could say something like, well, the movie involves, a spoiler alert people, the movie involves dreaming and at the end you don't know if the character is still dreaming. That That's kind of a spoiler. It is a little bit. Although if you read 4chan, they, they went into the very specifics of whether or not the person was dreaming, trying to figure it out. It's a big debate. Yeah. It's a big debate. Even seven years on after its release, people are still debating whether or not the guy was still dreaming. Yeah. Even the reveal, I don't know if you've seen the movie Prestige. Have you seen Prestige? No, I've heard good things about it, though. Uh, It's my favorite film. Right. Absolute favorite film. And spoiler, people, there is a twist ending. And it's not in the terms of what we would think about, like, Luke, I am your father. It's not that kind of twist ending. It's just more like a story told very interestingly. And I think that is probably in the realms of, like, it's spoilable but not spoilable. Like, I could tell you the spoiler right now, which I won't, but it wouldn't ruin the movie for you at all. Like, the movie is the product of itself. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, even if it was spoiled, like, how long ago did it come out? Probably, like, 08 or something, or maybe even a little bit before, maybe 07. Well, that's the thing. If it's out for at least 10 years, is it still valid? To protect people from spoilers? On a one-to-one basis, like you and I are talking now, like, I genuinely want you to watch that film, so I wouldn't spoil it for you. But there's nothing preventing me from talking about this movie in the open. Like, there's, I, I don't feel bad if I spoil it on the train or something like that, like, if I'm talking about it. One of the worst things that I used to have was probably in the fourth or fifth season of Game of Thrones, there would be this carriage I would sit on on my way to uni or work, and every single day getting on that carriage, there was this group of sort of high schoolers and they would talk about the previous night's episode of Game oh, of Thrones. No. And I would watch the episodes a day later because I had work on the night it aired. So every day getting onto that train, I eventually had to like stop getting on that carriage or catching a different train because they would loudly, a group of about seven or eight teenagers, talk about the previous night's episode of Game of Thrones. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. And no headphones or music can prevent how intense their spoiler talk was. Yeah, that's the worst kind of spoilers. I I get that some people might spoil something in public, but, you know, I I don't know where you would set, like, the the statute of limitations for spoilers, like how long something has to be out before you can discuss it in the open. But even so, it's just, it's common decency for those sort of things. I know everyone wants to talk about what happens when Game of Thrones comes out first, like as soon as they finish watching the episode. But just have a sense of what's around you. Yeah, I think the most reasonable thing you can do is to say something like Game of Thrones where there's such a heavy spoiler culture associated with it. You could say something like, this is open to be discussed by anybody at any point. 
if somebody's in the room who hasn't seen it, you just got to tell them, hey, man, you got to see this. Like, I don't want to ruin anything for you. Please don't listen to this conversation. Don't openly talk about it. You're, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't watch Game of Thrones cold, blind, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, I remember not as dramatic as Game of Thrones, but back when How I Met Your Mother was, like, huge. Yeah. You know, in, in its latest seasons, not necessarily the final episode that divides a lot of opinion, but... I remember back when one of the seasons ended, I was moving house and I had absolutely no access to internet. And so that meant that I couldn't I couldn't watch the episodes because they come out on free to air Australian TV like six months after they're aired in America. Yeah. So I, I'd have to find a way as legitimately as possible to watch the episodes. But I, I had no internet. Like, you know, mobile data like ten years ago was next to nothing. So, I I sort of had to wait it out, but all my friends were absolutely obsessed with the show and all my friends would watch it as soon as it came out. So, I would literally have to take myself out of social situations like for several weeks because I didn't want to get spoiled. I didn't want to find out what happens in the show before I watch it. Exactly. And it's, it's so debilitating, but what do you do in that situation? It's, yeah, it's one of those things where you got to know it before. Like, you just got to play it by ear. I don't know. <laughs> there's there's just no way, like, there's no hard and fast rule. There's no blanket rule for any of this stuff. It's just, I don't know, man. We live in a weird world. It's so weird. We live in the spoiler world. I mean, it feels like we, we've stepped into the Twilight Zone for other reasons lately. Are you talking about North Korea? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about, let, let's go there to... All the way to the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. A name that couldn't be more sarcastic if it tried. Uh, I, I don't know if they're joking. I mean, is the regime self-aware that they're not democratic? They're certainly not the people and certainly by no means a republic. It's like the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah, basically. I mean, they got Korea right in some sense. <laughs> it's Korea, for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just feel like we've just stepped into the Twilight Zone in the last uh, month or so with North Korean politics. We're not a political podcast by any by any means, and we're just two random dudes. But this this is something that you know is it's a big deal and we do talk about media on this on this podcast a little bit and it's probably one of the biggest news events of of our recent time i know we've had a lot of big news events in the past sort of five or six years but this is up there for sure and like i I don't want to get into political opinion or or what people believe about certain political persuasions that's that's not what we're about but like it, it just feels so bizarre like I walked into work on the day of the the Trump Kim summit, and and just seeing like the the TVs were all just a live feed of Singapore where where they were meeting, and just seeing it happen live and just seeing that kind of history taking place was just absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. So for basically for people who don't know, the basic story was that the split between North and South Korea is something it's a it's a holdover. It's a holdover from the Cold War and from the Korean War. The meeting basically took place between first of all, between the leader of North Korea and the leader of South Korea. They they crossed each other's borders and they had a summit and it was incredible. It was like watching like the Berlin Wall falling or something. Yeah. 
it's not like we want to get like all overly dramatic about it. like it's it's probably not as big a deal as we'll think about in, in retroactively but it was it was weird it was like looking watching the tv you're like what the hell it, it was absolutely bizarre like you know it's these two leaders who couldn't be any different leading completely different nations on the same peninsula but they're coming together for the first time in I, I don't even know if there was a... Um, yeah, I don't I don't think a South Korean leader and a North Korean leader have ever met before, like, in person like that. I, I may be completely wrong about that, but I, I think that that's the... Since, basically, the Korean War, and neither of them have been on the, onto each other's soil. This was noteworthy right. because Kim came to South Korean soil, and during the meeting at the, the DMZ, the South Korean leader stepped over into North Korea very briefly, and so you could say that, yeah, he's been to North Korea. Yeah, exactly, and... I, I think that while while we don't know for sure, you know, a, a South Korean president has has done this before. No sitting American president has met with a North Korean leader, and that was what what was sort of announced soon afterwards. What they were saying was that this is just a beginning process. the 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 first thing we got was that Kim Jong Un met with the Chinese president Xi Jinping, but it was like very, like not publicized at all it was very sneaky and they had this old north korean train that was seen going into china and it was it was quite obvious to everyone else that there was a secret meeting between the chinese leader and the north korean leader next f- couple of weeks or something was the meeting between south korea and north korea and then planned soon after that was the meeting between donald trump and kim jong un and it, it was it all sort of snowballed a little bit there was like a brief cancellation where they believed that the north koreans weren't playing ball very well and uh it was it was basically cancelled and then frantically put back together at the last second because of its historic importance and yeah the two of them met in singapore for a very very brief summit after the g7 yeah i mean it's you you say that it might be it might not be as significant as time goes on but it really does feel like history is taking place at the moment. Like Absolutely. we're in the middle of the this huge shift in the way the world is sort of seeing world leadership and democracy and whatnot. And just seeing how Donald Trump has done something that no president has managed to do before, it's, it's just fascinating. It's also one of those things that he gets to brag about, like he did any of it. I mean, he didn't do any of it. He just sort of showed up. It wasn't him organizing the whole thing. It wasn't his diplomatic outreach and it wasn't his success story, you know, but he'll take credit for it. No worries, you know. But he did do something that really intrigues me. I found out about this the following morning because when I was listening to the radio, the usual sort of shows I listen to begin pretty structured. And then this morning... They started playing this video and I thought, what? what's what's going on? Have they got a technical problem or something with the show? But no, they were playing what was essentially a Hollywood movie style trailer about North Korea and America cooperating. And this this is what Trump showed Kim yeah, in the meeting. It was like a like a weird propaganda film. Yeah, like you know those old movie trailers where they have the voiceover where it's like, in a world where a man loves a woman. And it sounded exactly like that. Exactly. It was so stereotypical. It, it was so, so cheesy and so hammed up. But at the same time, when you think about it, Kim is a huge fan of Western movies, a huge fan of Western culture. And 
it really it must have appealed to him in some way otherwise they wouldn't have done something like this yeah i think like we don't we don't want to get too deeply into this but the north koreans are sort of at a point of desperation and it's no coincidence that the negotiations are taking place with their three neighbors and the united states the it's no coincidence that this is all happening after the north korean nuclear program reached semi maturity it's a sort of a big bargaining chip that they have because their country is suffering un- under the sanctions from the United Nations and the United States. And the Kim regime is just not going to survive under those circumstances. It's going to be very difficult for them to stay in power and keep their keys to power happy. And this is one of those things where it becomes obvious the motivations of things. It's, they've come to the table at a point of desperation, but they've also got pretty big bargaining chips on their side. Yeah, it'll be so interesting to see how this plays out because at this stage, everything is very much up in the air, even after all these meetings, like with Kim meeting Trump and going back after that meeting to see Xi Jinping again. It's all very up in the air and everything that has been developed so far is so vague. So the next year is just going to be absolutely fascinating to watch because we literally don't know what is going to happen next. Because Exactly. The, the unpredictable and the unbelievable has already happened. Yeah. What now? Yeah, can only get more normal. So, we kind of came up with a name. Yep. We're only three episodes in, but, you know. It took us a while. Like, we, we recorded this over months to get the first couple of episodes out. We were sort of playing around with ideas and names. We wanted it to sort of be a little bit maybe retro. We didn't want to be too cliched with the name of the podcast as well. It also wanted to be pretty relevant to, to what we do on this podcast. Yeah, and at the same time, not tie us down. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, if we called it something like the uh, James and Pat show, you know, that doesn't tie you down at all, but it's also not at all significant to what you're talking about. No, and also like, you know, what if we get into a contractual dispute and one of us leaves? <laughs> you can call it the James show. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, so you and I are big fans of an internet podcast called Hello Internet, and they've talked about the name of their podcast a million times. I think the original phrase Hello Internet is something that Gray, CGB Gray, used to say at the beginning of his episodes where he would talk directly to the audience. He would begin it with Hello Internet, and I think that that was quite a clever name because it's like, oh, we're talking directly to the internet now, and podcasts have become sort of an exclusively internet-based thing. We were fans of that name, but because it, it also didn't tie them down. It didn't tie them down into any sort of... They can just talk about anything. Yeah, they can talk about plane crashes and, and corporate compensation and basically anything that pops into their minds and they can have a good conversation about. At long, long lengths about plastic stir sticks that you stick into your Starbucks coffee that prevents it from spilling. There has been more than one episode about hot stoppers. <laughs> I really hope to one day get my hands on some hot stoppers because they don't have them in Australia. They do. Really? Yeah, I go to Starbucks. No way. Yeah. It's it's like they mentioned in the in the Hello Internet episode as well that you can only get it at certain locations like if the the local manager can be bothered putting in an order for them. <laughs> but yeah, I've I've seen them at the airport, I've seen them at in the city locations and stuff like that. Oh, I'm going to have to go to Starbucks for the first time. You never never been to Starbucks. Well, I, I've been there a few times, but like, you know, Melbourne's got such good local coffee places that I 
basically, well, I've never drunk a coffee from Starbucks here in Australia because I'm like, well, I'll just go around the corner to this local coffee place where there's a, a barista who can make a really good coffee. Yeah, I think one of the things is like Starbucks filled that barista role in the rest of the world, pretentious yeah. barista role, and the the rest whole rest of the world didn't have a huge coffee culture in that in that way of having a franchise that that'll provide you pretentiously overpriced coffee. Here in Australia, we already had that. Yeah, <laughs> we have we have coffee for days, man. We've got it going on here, and we also have rival chains. Like we've got a chain here called Gloria Jeans, which is huge. Like you can't go anywhere without finding a Gloria Jeans, and that's that's not to mention a bunch of other competitors that Starbucks has here. For sure, and that's one thing that I really noticed when I was going overseas for the first time. Like back then, we had about five Starbucks stores in the entire state here. There was like one or two at the airport, and another three in the city, or something like that. And so I didn't get it. But the the friend that I went overseas with was from Singapore. And when we went over there, people were mad about Starbucks. And I was like, I, d- I don't get it. Starbucks is for like stuffy hipsters who don't know what good coffee is. And she was like, no, no, this is like, this is the good coffee here. And she wasn't wrong. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Than whatever else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's got that, that thing of being passable good quality coffee without too much frills attached to it most people don't care about it they just want a good cup of coffee and they happen to also like you mentioned they somehow managed to tap into the hipster market as well yeah it is pretty trendy and basically anytime i go overseas now i'll get coffee from starbucks because i know i can count on them to to deliver at least a decent cup of coffee if not a pretty good one yeah starbucks please sponsor this podcast (laughs) So anyway, getting back to the name of this podcast, we thought that a really good balance to strike with an accurate name yet doesn't tie us down to something is the 21st Century Wireless Podcast. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know what a wireless is. Yeah, we have to explain that nowadays. (laughs) A wireless is like the old school name for a radio. And radio used to be it used to be very important to culture in the, the first half of the 20th century. And to a lesser extent, the latter half of that same century, it was this thing where, you know, you got all of your news and information in your entertainment. You know, you could get comedy shows and people would sit down and listen to the radio, the wireless, the same way we would sit down and watch a movie or a TV show today. And it was had this huge impact on culture back in those days. And today, the dominant form of audio entertainment is shifting towards podcasts. So we thought that this would be kind of like the modern day radio. It would kind of be like the modern day wireless. So we thought that the name 21st Century Wireless kind of stuck. We didn't want something too wordy, but we were thinking that that probably encapsulates most of what we want to talk about. Yeah, it really does. And like... The last couple of years has made it really feel as though podcasts, well, essentially this century's wireless because the first half of the century, radio was literally the only way you could find entertainment. And so it had that cultural impact. It had the phenomenal reach, which today podcasting doesn't have, but this is the modern day wireless. Like the further we move on toward the future, the more it's going to be this way. It's more, you know, your audio entertainment is going to come on demand. And we've already seen that with things like audiobooks. Yeah, it's really interesting to see this sort of shift. And hopefully it's it's really going to take hold in the next few years. I'm saying that as a radio producer. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it 
it's every medium's becoming you know having this huge shift towards on-demand stuff so hopefully uh you know podcasting will have that kind of impact so the name it's got that nice sort of retro sound and feel to it which which i like and also it helps us talk about media because you know this podcast is ostensibly about media and sort of the the online world and the physical world of media and how that blend and pop culture and a little bit about movies and a little bit about news and it's got a great feeling to it because it's topical yeah and the best part is it could extend to anything else in the name that we have so you know if we do want to talk about plane crashes or corporate compensation or or, sticks yeah just you know blatantly rip off another person's podcast but you know any sort of topic that comes into our heads we hope to bring to you in a in an entertaining way and we don't want to be tied down to a, a very specific kind of genre uh, and have that possibility blocked out. So, Count Dankula got sentenced. He did. Thank God he wasn't imprisoned. Yeah, he was facing jail time. He was facing 10 years or something crazy. Yeah, for what seems like a, a rather innocuous thing. Obviously, like, you know, the the kind of remarks which I won't repeat on this podcast that he trained his girlfriend's dog to react to were quite offensive, quite incendiary. But when you make those kind of remarks, you don't expect to go to jail for for something you say. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest arguments at the moment is context, the context under which it was said, because the beginning of the video, he he denounces neo-Nazism and he denounces racism, all those kinds of things. And he, he says specifically the reason why he chose those terms was he wanted to provoke the most heinous reaction he could. He wasn't doing it out of support. He knew and agreed with the fact that the Third Reich and, and everything that goes along with it was, was something heinous and to be detested and, and things like that. So, And he tried to be comical about it. He, he, was, he, was, he was a comedian at heart and context matters is, is the basic point that people a lot, of, a lot of people struck onto. Yeah, I mean, the trouble is that it, it's funny how the internet makes contextualization so much easier, but so much easier not to as well now. Yeah, contextualization is easier, but context doesn't make for a very good story. No, it, it certainly doesn't, because if you take those comments alone, it's huge. Like, it's a horrible thing to do. Yeah, if you look at the inverted pyramid of the news article, you're sort of looking at the large headline at the top of the page saying guy trains his dog to be racist or whatever that's gonna grab some attention and that's the point that you're gonna hop in on and you know of course but at the same time this this case is gonna have a real chilling effect on media because if i wanted for some sick reason want to train my dog to react to those comments then I don't think in Australia I'd potentially go to jail, but I would get into serious trouble with hate speech because it's happened before. People have had to go to court in Australia for offensive things they've said. And it creates a really chilling effect on free speech, I suppose. Yeah, that's one of those weird things where we sort of <laughs> were raised with this notion to believe that we have freedom of speech, yeah. which we don't. <laughs> like, we actually, in this, I, I believe in this country, it's it's not law. No. Freedom of speech is not law, and I believe it's not in the UK as well. No, America has the First Amendment, which gives you the right to freedom of speech. There is nothing of the sort here in Australia or in the UK. In fact, both these countries 
have very, very strict laws regarding what you can and can't say in a lot of instances. Yeah, in a public environment, in a private environment, there's, there's a lot of laws dictating these kinds of things. I mean, Germany is one of the famous examples. There's there's a long list of things you can be charged for in terms of hate crime in Germany. And it just happens to be the, one of those things where Americans don't understand necessarily because some of the, the strongest reactions have come out of America and America's disbelief in the fact that somebody was arrested and and frequently cited as this is an attack on free speech. This is an attack on free speech. And it's like, you don't really understand the full thing then because there is no freedom of speech no but it's easy for people to think that because we're such similar countries also because freedom of speech sounds amazing it sounds like an inalienable right yeah it's it feels like a fundamental human right even though it isn't so i mean there's there's certain tenets of freedom freedom of speech that's in like human rights law but it's mainly to do with things like political expression and being able to articulate your views not necessarily that you can say anything you want without repercussions because we've seen this here in australia a fair bit in the last year with a lot of high profile defamation cases where various news outlets have been sued for publishing certain comments yeah and it's it's really It's really tough to kind of get your head around these things because, like, for instance, there was the the big one is obviously Rebel Wilson, who's an Australian actor who was in Pitch Perfect and a few other things. She sued a gossip magazine because... That's right. I remember that. Yeah. They got, like, some really... They were defaming her. They they were, but they were saying that, no, it's, it's the truth, what they were publishing, but it wasn't at all. Yeah. That was just made up. Yeah. And and so, like, there's this huge threat for publishers here in Australia of, of getting sued for these sort of things. So, you, you, have a, you have your hand in the pot here. What's it like working as a journalist with these defamation laws? Well, in, in many cases, it's terrifying. Yeah. Like, to the point where I, I work for a large media organization and we have lawyers on call all the time. That basically their their job, their main job in the organization is to look through potentially legally sensitive things that you're going to publish in order to make sure that it doesn't defame someone or it doesn't get us in some kind of legal trouble. And you're the journalist at the at the bottom ground level having to be terrified. It's so it's so frightening because like it's absolutely terrifying. Like there's this certain prominent Australian who does a lot of good work for for various things, but is so trigger happy with defamation that every single piece of, of publication or or works that are, that are reporting on this person has to be, go through legal channels before it's published. And like you know, it could be the most innocuous story, right. but that still has to be done. And to me, that's that's just horrifying. You know, as freelancers just doing this podcast, like we don't we don't have the resources to hire a lawyer and, and listen back to our recordings to see whether we've defamed someone. Yeah. So, you know, there's this huge amount of risk that that's lumped on us because there's no other levels in this 
kind of arrangement that Production we're doing tree, yeah. to, to be able to protect ourselves from getting sued. Yeah, we live in a world where outrage and lynching is sort of the, the driving force behind a lot of media and creative works. We live in a world where a defamation lawsuit can ruin your career, you know, like, uh, well, I mean, any kind of lawsuit can ruin your career, but also your reputation and your ability to continue for the rest of your life as any kind of media personality or journalist. Yeah. But it, it can, like, it can financially ruin you. Like, for instance, there was another case that was this year where this local paper, the Benella Ensign, which uh, I'm sure none of the people listening have probably heard of. I haven't even heard of it. About it. Well, it's this local paper in central Victoria who published an article, a, a very short 120-word article about a political candidate and it said that this political candidate pushed someone out of the way of a photo. And that wasn't true. It was absolutely false. And the, the paper never bothered to check with that politician. And basically, they published it. They got it wrong. And they didn't even issue a, an apology until several months later. Yeah, that's unbelievable. So the paper got sued, obviously. And the result has just sort of come out where the politician won her case and she was awarded $300,000 in damages for this 120-word article. Now, obviously, that's because the, the newspaper really screwed up. They didn't issue an apology. They didn't issue a retraction in a timely manner and they their process was quite flawed, in my opinion. But um, it, it means that, like, for, for a small regional paper like that, that could make or break their entire business. For sure. Yeah, that's that's a lot of money out the window. And, like, for us, that that could be ruinous. Like, say we, we make some defamatory comments about someone powerful. Like, if they decide, oh, we, we don't like that, we're going to sue you. Yeah, and it's there's very little to protect you in that way in terms of law. It's like one of those crazy facts when you learn about the American healthcare system and how much your average doctor pays in malpractice insurance. Mm. It's the equivalent for people now in in terms of defamation and slander and things like that. It's like, are we going to get to a point in our society where we need to be insured for lawsuits on, on like, you could be just, you could lose like an awful lawsuit that'll just ruin you if you didn't have (laughs) slander or that version of malpractice insurance for a doctor, you know? Yeah. Like here in Australia, luckily we have very, very, very strict laws under what circumstances you can sue a healthcare professional. Healthcare professionals are, you know, sort of provided with insurance by their employers in this country and things like that. You just don't have that same sort of problem as you do in the United States. But this is the kind of thing where we're seeing the road it could lead down. Yeah. I mean, there there is defenses for defamation, which, you know, includes libel and slander and all of that here in Australia. You can't sue someone for something trivial. What's the bounds of trivial? Well, yeah, that's that's for a judge to decide. But there, there's all these other kind of defenses. The one that, that I really enjoy is absolute privilege. To explain that, basically all the federal elected officials here in Australia, so the senators and the people in the House of Representatives, anything they say in Parliament is entirely protected from defamation. Wow. So you can say literally anything in Parliament as a senator and and get away with it. 
That's crazy. So it really is. <laughs> I wonder what started that. Like, what did they have to do? I have no idea what started it, but I know that the the biggest user of that recently has been this senator who basically he used to be a radio shock jock and he got into all of this trouble like several times where he would basically name like sex offenders and things like that that he wasn't allowed to by the court. And so he would be put in jail or have like gag orders and things like that put on him. So he was like, Oh, I'm I'm just going to become a senator and say whatever I want. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. In all of these speeches that he makes in Parliament, he just, like, names all these, like, horrible, horrible people. But if he was an ordinary person, he'd go to jail for it. But now he's a senator. Uh, it's fine. That's all right. I'll give you a free pass on that. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm thinking that for this podcast, we try and run for office, and then just record this in Parliament, you know? We can we can get some stuff off our chest. Yeah. <laughs> we can defame a lot of people. I'll tell you what's really on my mind. Yeah. Uh, there's got to be some law, like, preventing you from recording a podcast in Parliament. <laughs> They're going to have to add that. They're going to have to set the precedent being like, okay, guys, no, can't do this. This <laughs> is not an appropriate use of Parliament time. And the next time I, uh, I meet a senator or something, I'll, uh, I'll pitch this to him. Do you want to be a backbencher or a frontbencher? Well, that's the house, isn't it? Yeah, oh, no, it can't be the senator. Like, it's, it's weird. Like, you can become a minister from either house of parliament here in Australia. So, ministers are frontbenchers and then people who don't have, like, a... Okay, I'm going to cut you off because that's boring. 